1: You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers and NFL draft fans, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush podcast with John Chapman. And I, I hope you can tell I'm excited. This is probably one of the biggest episodes we've done. We're on episode 102. And Man, it's been an absolute blast, but there's so much good news to talk about this episode. One, uh, later on in the episode, we are going to be giving away the DeForest Buckner jersey. Uh, We're going to announce the winner for that and just want to say, man, the support there was absolutely insane. Um, Two, we're going to be breaking down everything about the 49ers draft picks, and what we're going to do is we're going to play out what the 49ers should do with that second round pick, looking at snap counts, trade back scenarios, uh, based on how we do in the first round, how that's going to affect second and third round, positional needs, all those things. But also, I have a huge announcement to make. I kind of teased it a little bit on Twitter, but my draft book is officially out and available for you guys. Now, this is eight plus months in the works, and if you've listened to the show, I really appreciate all the support. And here's what's at Eat Sleep Fantasy, the place that I write for my fantasy content. They have agreed to host everything that I've done for the draft 70 plus pages of original content. Uh, Big boards a bill wash scouting rubric and all the things that I talk about on this draft however in visual representation and then some uh, 120 plus draft profiles and still growing with player comparisons uh, Crazy stats all the -the off-the-wall stories I could find on high school stories and all that stuff So uh, your one-stop kind of shop for anything draft content. It's covered everything big board tiered positional rankings You name it, it is in there. And if there's a player or something perhaps that you want that's not there, just let me know. I will make sure to get that to you. Now, here's what's key, and this is just for you guys. So it does cost $10. Um, However, for listening to this podcast, my podcast, I've cut that price in half for you guys. So again, what you have to do, you head over to eatsleepfantasy.com, all one word, Mm eatsleepfantasy.com, You're going to see a gigantic uh, banner that says John Chapman's Draft Book on the front of the site. Click that. um, Fill out the information. Once you get down to it, click coupon code and type in RUSH, R-U-S-H, all capitals, and it's half off. It's 5 bucks. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, just, again – so much information there for you guys, videos uploaded, clips that show what I'm looking for, some audio over video, um, insane draft profiles, scouting notes, player profiles, everything you could ever dream. Again, the draft book is over there, eatsleepfantasy.com. And once you fill out all your information on there to subscribe to it, uh, it's just a one-time $5 payment for you guys, R-U-S-H, all capital letters. And if you have any questions about that, just hit me up on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. This is a big deal, and I appreciate all the support, and if you want to know how to make this podcast better, this is one of those ways. Um, uh, basically, every single thing I make, I pour back into this, and it really helps me to spend more time on the podcast, and that's why it's been you know, almost five, six days since our last episode. It's been a lot of long nights finishing this bad boy, but I wanted to get it out to you guys there. Head over to Eat Sleep Fantasy. It's there. Again, promo code is RUSH, R-U-S-H. So, Without further ado, I want to tease, I finalized my big board, and all this is available for you guys online, Um, but I wanted to walk through my top 10 of the draft, and just kind of show you the value that is here in the draft, and the elite prospects, because I have a huge drop, really I have two tiers, two two drops, Um, my top six is elite, I think there are six elite players in this draft. And then after a top 10, then it even drops down further than that. So number one should be no surprise if you have listened to this pot, uh, podcast. That's Nick Bosa. And I do have quite a, bit, quite a gap between Nick Bosa and everybody else. Um, but he is my number one overall player. Number two is Josh Allen out of Kentucky. Again, I value edge players. Um, I have gone back and forth between my two, three, and four players repeatedly. But I do have Josh Allen there. I do think that his versatility and the fact that he can do it all, whether a 3-4, 4-3, off-the-ball linebacker, and of course the most valuable thing with Josh Allen out of Kentucky is his speed rush. All-time sack leader in the SEC. The kid can do it, and he's done it against the best. Now, number three, I have Quinnen Williams. Still no shot, kind of the top three for everybody there. And I do have Josh Allen above him. I like Quinnen Williams. I love Quinnen Williams. The issues I have is one year of production. Uh, You know, at Alabama, he had to sit behind some really, really good players, and there were a few matchups, mainly Texas A&M, where he still had a good game at Texas A&M, but whenever he is matched up against elite guard play, he looks normal and that, that's a little bit of a red flag. I say red flag. I still have him number three overall. Uh, he could possibly go number one overall in this draft, and I don't think that'd be a reach. I, I love the guy, but there is a small hesitation with those two things that stand out to me. Number four, Ed Oliver, and I <laughs> I have Ed Oliver closer to Quinton Williams than I probably should, but Ed Oliver is for real. Um, this kid defies physics. And he is beyond special. Um, I really would have no problem with him going in anywhere in this draft. If if you took him number one overall, um, I would say you probably should have traded back. However, I don't think it's a reach. His ceiling, if he reaches everything and if he gets coached up and gets put in a good scheme, he has the highest ceiling in this draft. He is phenomenal. Uh, if he would have came out of The draft, his freshman year in college, he would have been a top 10 pick. Sophomore year, top 10 pick. Uh, Junior year, top 10 pick. Like the guy, he's a top 10 pick. He is unbelievable. Number five is going to be a little bit of a surprise and different from majority consensus ranks out there. And my number five player is an inside linebacker, but not the one everybody thinks. I'm going with Devin Bush out of Michigan. I love this kid. And you know, if you go by what Robert Sala and or John Lynch and what these new guys what they value, they they've been very explicit. They want violence at that linebacker per, uh, position and on defense. And Devin Bush has that in spades. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm low on Devin White. Adam is my number fifteen overall player, but as far as missed tackles, Devin Bush far fewer missed tackles. Uh, speed, both on par, low 4-4 guys, that kind of uber-athletic. And on top of that, if you look at this draft class, you have two inside linebackers that are just elite, and then there is a chasm. Um, again, I'm into the speed kind of you know, uber-athlete at the linebacker position in today's NFL just because of the majority offenses that are out there. But, you know, there's a huge drop-off. You know, I have Gary Johnson, Jermaine Pratt, Blake Cashman, uh, Sean Joseph as my next tier. I'm pretty low on Mac Wilson, even though I do think that he'll probably go in the third or fourth round. But uh, you have these two inside linebackers and in Devin Bush and Devin White that are going to go in the top 10 probably, top 15 for sure. But uh, I love Devin Bush. He's my number five player. Number six, I got my first quarterback on the board, and that is Kyler Murray. The guy is just insane. And, you know, for every single player I ranked, if going back to my draft book, I put some type of player comparison. There is no doubt in the world, Kyler Murray is the hardest comparison to make for any person out there. And what I ended up going with is, uh, one, I said, quote, there's not a draft comparison football-wise. I put Allen Iverson. When you watch his film, he's small compared to everybody else out there, and he is just electric um he is just there's something about him um, he just reminded me of alan iverson running around amongst all these big dudes just throwing up insane points and making insane plays he's tiny little bitty guy with a great arm heisman trophy winner and all those things so the kyler murray he's probably going to be going number one we're going to talk about this in a second but number seven i got cleveland farrell Clemson defensive end, I just love this guy. I get that he's probably going to go in that 15 to 25 range, but if he, I was to make a bet on a player that's going to be safe at the edge position, um, you can. I think he has the highest floor. I really believe that. Uh, there is no way this guy couldn't just be a role player worst case scenario. Now you look at his ceiling, he played on a defensive line with four um, top 30 picks. You know he, he And he outshined all of them and consistently. And you look at him playing against the best, Jonah Williams, yeah, no issue. Uh, it doesn't matter who he plays against. It doesn't matter what offensive scheme he's going against. He lives in the backfield. He is constantly disrupting the quarterback. I love Cleveland Farrell. He's going to drop in this draft because a lot of people uh, put so much stock in the combine, and I think that is such a mistake. I believe in football. I believe in film. The combine's important. But not enough to put these other pass rushers like Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, these guys ahead of Cleveland Farrell. There's no doubt Cleveland Farrell is the better football player. Uh, I'm sold on that. But I, I do like Brian Burns and Montez Sweat. I have them all in the top 15. But if you had to bet <laughs> who's going to be the more successful pro, I for me, there's it's not even much of a competition. I love the way this kid plays. Um,. TJ Hawkinson, tight end out of Iowa, is my number eight, and he might not be high enough. You know, whenever I do my final adjustment to my big board, I just, I could see it right now. You can't put this kid too high. TJ Hawkinson is the real deal. He is absolutely unbelievable in every single phase of the game. You run a power run game, great. He's going to be a perfect fit. You run a spread offense and you want to move tight end, great. He's a perfect fit. You want to target this guy and get yards after the catch? Perfect fit. He does it all. Um, you know, we, we I use the term a lot of times, Jack, um, you know, Jack of all trades, ace of none. This guy, he's a king of all trades, maybe an ace of all trades. There are zero weaknesses in his game, and he is the real deal. Number nine, my first offensive lineman, Jawan Taylor. And I struggle with this kid because he does nothing special. Except, when he plays against elite talent, he shuts them down. It's not even close. You want to see him go against Josh Allen? It's Josh Allen's worst game. You watch him play against Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat's worst game. It doesn't matter who he plays against that is elite, and I love looking at those one on one matchups. This guy is special. Now the one issue that you have with Jawan Taylor, he's never played on the left side. So if you're a team that is in dire straits of just the left tackle, yeah. There's going to be an issue there. Um, You know, there's not – this isn't an elite offensive line class, but there are so many little niche guys that are going to be perfect fits for certain teams. And if you need a right tackle, Jawan Taylor is your guy. Um, And the last one, number 10, we're staying on the offensive line. Let's go interior. Garrett Bradbury, NC State. Holy freaking cow. Um, He's just a pancake block waiting to happen. So smooth, so quick, ran a 4.840 at over 300 pounds. And it's so funny, you know, I love game film. I I, I talk about this all the time, but whenever I put his very first game film on and I hit play, he had three pancakes in the first quarter against three separate players. And it wasn't like he was pancaking safeties, nose tackle, defensive tackle, defensive end. Like this guy, it's not enough to get a block it's it's a mentality game changer and he can do it all power run game check uh speed zone blocking check and because of that center guard he can play it all um this guy is going to be very highly coveted and that is my top 10 um obviously there's more it's up to 123 and counting i'm going to continue to add those so if you want to see the rest head over there to eat sleep fantasy the draft book is there remember to use the promo code rush capital r-u-s-h now A couple hypotheticals that I want to get into with the Arizona Cardinals who are picking number one overall. Then after that, we're going to jump into what do we do based on who's available, and we're going to run through three separate draft scenarios and look into the second, third round and how it affects that and snap count. So right off the bat, is Arizona going to draft Kyler Murray? Right now, I'm saying 80% yes. Um, It just makes sense. Uh, it just makes sense. You know, you bring in Cliff Kingsbury because of what he has done with quarterbacks. You know, yeah, he's coached Baker Mayfield. He's coached um, Mahomes. He's coached Case Keenum. He's turned all of these players into, you know, elite whatever uh, draft prospects. Also, David Webb, if you want to go that route, if you count that as a positive. Um, you know, we have him on record as saying, yeah, we're going to draft, uh, you know, if whenever he was with Texas Tech. He said, if I had the first overall pick, that's who I'd be. No questions asked. And then on top of that, they asked the GM, uh, Kime, and they say, hey, is Josh Rosen your quarterback? And he responds, he is right now. And so we know that they are actively listening. We know that they have received several offers, Um, you know, New England, Los Angeles Chargers, and also the Redskins seem to be the three people that are fighting for it. The Redskins seem to be the best fit. They have some major issues there i do not think that they're going to be able to get a first round pick i think it's going to be a second round pick with some uh, extra motivation into 2019 or 2020 so something like if he starts 10 plus games for you you throw in another third rounder so my guess would be the number uh, the second round pick and then the number three and if i had to bet on who's going to land him I would probably say New England has the best chance because they have 12 draft picks in this draft class. Uh, They they always stockpile picks, and they dominate the compensatory selection because they don't sign free agents, and they don't franchise players. So they let players walk and get massive deals knowing they're going to get a third-round pick next year. So they have so much to deal. So let's operate under the issue, the 20%, that maybe – Arizona's just doing a smoke screen, trying to get somebody to trade up to get the quarterback and or Bosa, but let's just say nobody bites. Arizona stays at one, and for just hypothetical reasons, they pick the number one overall best player, Nick Bosa, instead of the quarterback, and they say, you know what, ha ha, we're fooling you guys all along. We want Bosa. Okay, so Bosa's off the board. Now the issue is this. What do you do if you're the 49ers? And you know we're going to go through the situation if they stay at two, but... I'm telling you right now, if Bosa goes off the board, I truly do believe. Number one, I think the 49ers are trading out. Uh, I don't think they're trading out far, though. However, if we go back to the 2017 draft class, the first one with John Lynch, whenever we traded back from the two to three spot to pick up Solomon Thomas, you know, we picked up two additional third-round picks. We got a third round in that year's draft and a third round in the following year's draft, and after. All of the stuff's going on, and they're doing their draft interview. John Lynch, you know, he's very transparent, and he shares everything. He doesn't hide anything. He says, look, we had two players that we had a similar grade on, and we we're fine taking either player at that draft. And I, I kind of hold him to that. I think he's right. And that was Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas. And so they, he, and he, they both outlined it. And because Kyle Shanahan even said similar things, that's why I kind of believe it. Again, these aren't guys that have put out smoke screens in the past. They're beyond transparent, and they're just kind of see-through, whatever. And they both said the same thing. Now, they were able to get both those guys. Neither one has panned out thus far, you know, Fosters, whatever. But, um, you know, Solomon Thomas definitely sure as hell has not played up to a third-round pick. Definitely not a second-round pick either. But they said, we were willing to move back because we were guaranteed to get a player that we had in that tier. And that's one reason why I do tiered rankings. Anytime you hear an NFL GM, they're going to use that terminology. It goes all the way back to Bill Parcells. Um, And how he would do his draft board. And so, considering that mindset. Now, San Francisco's picking two. Nick Bosa goes one. I think that there is a team that would love to jump up and get Kyler Murray. And I think that is Oakland. Um, I really do believe that Oakland would love to jump up and get him. Now, maybe New York Giants, whatever. I don't think we want to. I think six is the furthest we're dropping back. Jacksonville's out of it. They got their quarterback Detroit's got their quarterback number nine. Denver's got their or nine. Buffalo's got their quarterback. I don't want to drop out of this top tier. You know, I told you just a while ago that you know there's there's this elite tier, and I really think six is that spot. Bosa, Allen, Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver, Devin Bush, and Kyler Murray. So uh, why I think four would work is I don't think that it would cost an arm and a leg for Oakland to jump up. I really think that literally they could just give up their second rounder, or very similar to, to what we saw last time, they give up two thirds. Um, so I, I think that this is something that could actually happen to where they jump up and then they try to trade. Um, they try to trade their quarterback, and they'll get rid of you know Derek Carr, which you know you, you can think whatever you want with him. Kyler Murray is a better quarterback. There are limitations under Derek Carr. I think he's a fine quarterback. He's kind of at that Dalton line where he's like around 16 to 20, if you look at you know starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but nothing special. But Oakland owns the number 35 overall pick in the second round, which is one in front of San Francisco, and I think that that would be plenty to jump up. Now, if you look at the trade chart, it doesn't say it is, but according to this draft, you know you could get a second and possibly a third next year or two-thirds, you know, Oakland doesn't have a third-round pick this year. That's what they gave up for Antonio Brown. But, you know, what if Oakland says, hey, we're going to give you the number four and the number 35 this year plus a fourth-round pick next year? I would take that if Bosa is not on the board. So if they do stay there and Bosa goes number one, now you're into that Josh Allen and or Quinnen Williams. I really think there's only three possible draft picks for the 49ers if they stay put at two. And it comes down to those three. So now what I want to do is step back from the hypothetical of Bosa going number one. And let's just assume, okay, for our purposes today, that Bosa, Quinnen, Williams, and Josh Allen are sitting there at two. Now, what does it make sense for the 49ers to do? And I think there's a lot of misrepresentation out there on Twitter and kind of public sentiment with what this defense needs and what it already has so one we already have four first round draft picks on this defensive line we only play four at a time you know you've got d ford who went in the first round we just traded for eric armstead first round solomon thomas who we talked about first round and deforest buckner first round so um it looks like we are going to be adding another first round pick so we're going to have five (laughs) first round draft choices on a defensive uh, 4-3 defense so we're going to have at least one first-rounder on the bench almost at all times, unless you want to put one of those players at SAM position. So I, I think the key player here is this. Cassius Marsh last year, who's gone, thankfully, uh, he was a fill-in. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I hated grading his film. It made me I, – I hated it. Whatever. He played 131 snaps in, in run defense and 370 in pass rush so you're looking at a guy that had about 500 snaps on this defense last year now that's a ridiculous amount so when we look at this pay attention to the positions and the snaps that are available based on the people that we have because we know uh, you know deforest buckner he is the iron man of defensive tackles he gets so many snaps he played 852 snaps last year and I mean that he's just he's a special guy he can play more than anybody it's who he is so if we jump out and let's look at the other defensive linemen and pay attention to these edge guys and the snaps that they got because once we look at this it just makes sense that there are snaps available to give. So Cassius March, 370 pass pass rush snaps, okay? Um, Ronald Blair, 338 pass rush snaps. And again, he can play inside-outside very similar to Solomon Thomas. Um, Now, so if you just look at those two guys, Ronald Blair, and I'm not saying I don't want him playing, but he probably shouldn't be getting 500 snaps. He got 180 run and 338 pass rush snaps. I think you need to knock that down a little bit. And so, if we look at that right there, there's a thousand snaps available. Now, D Ford, let's plug him in. D Ford last year played almost every single snap for the terrible Kansas City defense. You know, we talk about the 49ers' defense was rough last year. Kansas City couldn't get off the field. Um, D Ford played 1,143 snaps, which is over 100 snaps past Fred Warner. Our defense was bad their defense was probably worse. They did cause more turnovers and had more sacks, but as far as scoring defense and stuff, good lord, they were atrocious. So, you plug in D Ford for Cassius March and Ronald Blair's edge snaps and you're golden. So, now what are we going to do with this new guy? So, let's look at some of these interior guys and see what that looks like. You know, Earl Mitchell is gone. He played 192 run 167 pass. Uh, You can tell by the ratio. He was an early down guy. Sheldon Day, 110 run, 163 pass. So those two guys with DJ Jones, again, DJ Jones, 143 run snaps, 96 pass snaps. So you can see how those three guys made up for an interior uh, player. Now Earl Mitchell's gone. Sheldon Day and DJ Jones probably going to be back as role players. So let's look now and say... Man, what do we do with this? Let's say we go Bosa in the first. What does our base defense and nickel defense look like? And there's a couple options here because D. Ford, who's going to be playing a ridiculous amount of snaps in this this defense, he can play defensive end every play. However, he is undersized. Okay, he he's not a big, um, stocky. <laughs> defensive end or a power defensive end at all you want to play him in the wide nine he could play in rundowns it's just not really his strength he's going to be better suited very similar to what he did with kansas city where he plays that kind of sam role now they he would kind of stand up and play outside a lot of times but think about what elijah lee did last year or uh mark nazocha that type of role so if, if it's a heavy kind of two tight end set or, you know, a two running back set with a fullback short yardage. I could see them standing him up as the Sam, but if there's any inclination of a passing play, guarantee you this, um, Ford is going to be the defensive end. So if we're in base run heavy mode, the base defense under Bosa would be Bosa at end, probably DJ Jones at tackle, DJ Jones and or Solomon Thomas rotating in and out at that spot. Uh, Buckner's not going anywhere. He's going to be playing the three tech nonstop. And then, um, AA, Eric Armstead as the other one who played a great year last year. Then when we transitioned to to nickel, Bosa stays, he's not both. And that's one of the things that people don't understand about Bosa is he is a positive run defender and a positive pass defender, um, at the same position. He doesn't change. You just plug him in and you're good. Your, you know, Leo, whatever you want to call it, defensive end, he's fine. He just plays that the rest of the season. That's all there is to it. So Nickel, passing situations, we got at in, Solomon Thomas rushing where he should from the interior, <laughs> Buckner at the three, and then Ford on the other side. That is unreal pressure. You legitimately have four guys that can not only disrupt the quarterback, but who's going to lead in sacks on that team? Buckner had 10-plus sacks, and if you bring in edge guys, guess what? His sack total is going to go up because if you watched any of the Niners' defense last year, the quarterbacks just roll out. Um, so that's under Bosa. Now let's say you take Quentin Williams in the first. All right, base defense is going to look like probably Solomon Thomas is going to be in your base run heavy. He's going to be your exterior guy, which I have a huge problem with. That doesn't solve any problem. Solomon Thomas is not an outside player. We saw that last year. He played absolutely – he graded out poorly and defensive overall, run defense, tackling, pass rush, and coverage. He didn't have a positive grade on any of those for the season. And next to him is going to be Quinnen Williams, which is unreal to have Quinnen Williams and DeForest Buckner next to each other. And then you're going to have um, Eric Armstead out there on the end. So you've got one of the biggest run-stuffing defensive lines in the NFL right there. That is unbelievable. And, of course, D Ford's going to play Sam. Now, Nickel. What do you do at that end position still? You still got Solomon Thomas outside. You're wasting this kid's talent. I, I feel so bad for what we've done to him. Played him out of position for two years now. He got some snaps on the interior and it was better. But if we keep this kid outside, it's just, man, I hope we trade him. Just because I, I feel bad for him. We've screwed over his career. Uh, again, in the inside you're going to have Q and Buck next to each other, which is just unbelievable, and Ford bringing pressure. So there's still a glaring need if we take Quinn and Williams first. At that edge position. Well, I can hear some of you guys screaming at me. Well, why don't we just put Ford all-time at the edge position then? Okay, cool. So, on your base defense, you're going to have Ford, Q, Buckner, and Eric Armstead. And you're going to put Elijah Lee at Sam Backer. Well, that's solid. But, again, Ford's not a strong run defender. And Elijah Lee, you know, there's a lot of talent there. But you're still missing. There's still a glaring need at that position. And so... That's under Quentin Williams. Josh Allen's a little bit easier because Josh Allen can do it all. Um, he He's bigger than D Ford by about 20 pounds, so I think you'd put him at the base defensive end uh, next to DJ Buckner, then Eric Armstead. And then if you go nickel, this is just very, very scary. You've got Ford, Solomon Thomas, Buckner, then Josh Allen. So just based off of the lineups there, I'm 100% going with Bosa or Josh Allen. And you guys could sit there, and I get it. People are saying, well, just best player available. Well, I actually have Bosa as the best player. I have Josh Allen as a better player as well. I think that they both have higher uh, floors. And Quinnen Williams, I get it. He's amazing. I'd love to have him on our team, but not whenever it doesn't address our biggest need. And our biggest need is edge rusher. Um, So take that for what you want. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, What I want to do now is take a quick break and announce this DeForest Buckner jersey winner and then we're going to break down just second and third round and kind of what that looks like out there. So without further ado, I just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. They are the best. They keep sending us all this stuff and allowing us just to give stuff away for free, which is just an absolute blast. And just want to say thanks to them. Head over to Game Day Sports and Memorabilia if you lost. They have other Autographed to Forrest Buckner jerseys for just over about 120 bucks. And that is not bad for this. I mean, it's legit, man. So anyway, without further ado, um, thank you to everybody that uh, submitted this. All I asked you to do was to leave a review with your Twitter name and follow me on Twitter. A lot of people didn't follow all the rules. The first two people I drew actually didn't follow me on Twitter. So they were kind of disqualified. But here we go. At DTNCA uh david t in california his review that he left and again i didn't pick it off of what you said i put the names in a hat and drew it but whatever uh, lifelong 49ers fan and i love john's film study and review skills i listen to every episode david t in california congratulations Uh, I will be hitting you up on Twitter and getting your address, and I'll get that sent out. I cover the shipping, so it actually costs me money to do this, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, It's freaking awesome. I I love all this memorabilia. I hope you enjoy it. DeForest Buckner, by far one of my favorite 49ers right now. And so just congrats again to David T. in California at DTNCA. For everybody else that lost, Don't worry, we are going to have more uh, memorabilia giveaways coming up shortly, Um, so just stay tuned. We've got lots more stuff going. And again, if you did not already, um, head over to Eat Sleep Fantasy and get that draft book. Use the promo code RUSH, R-U-S-H. And again, if there's somebody you want me to break down on there, just let me know. I will add it. Now, before we jump off, I I want to stay with this argument of how – uh, or who we pick in the first round and what that looks like long-term. So if we look at our picks, okay, the 49ers are picking number two, number 36, number 67. We're picking at the top of every round. Then 104 in the fourth round, we don't have a fifth round pick, you know, and I think that what we do in the first round is going to affect affect the second and third round. Now I don't think we're going to stay still. John Lynch can't help himself. Uh, He's going to bounce around for sure. But let's say we take Bosa or Allen in the first round. I think that's going to affect the domino theory throughout the rest of the draft the same way. Um, you know, whether you like Bosa or Allen more, um, it doesn't matter. That's the edge guy. And so that's going to, quote unquote, check off that major need, the number one need this team has. And that leaves several options for second and third round. So the four most prominent positions, and again, this is just my opinion. Wide receiver, corner, safety, an offensive guard, and or future offensive tackle. However, you want to see that fit. When Joe Staley finally does retire, I'm gonna cry, Uh, just like Dirk when he retired. I'm a I'm Mavs guy. Um, I got a little sad this weekend. Anyway, shout out to Dirk. You the man. You the man. Um, But. The second, you know, if it, it doesn't really matter which one of those needs you see as most uh, valuable. I, I'm not ranking them. This is just the order I put them in, but I'm not saying wide receiver is the most important. But, again, wide receiver, corner, safety, and offensive guard. Uh, so here's the deal. Each one of these, there are question marks. Wide receiver. Yeah, we've got Dante Pettis, and we've got Marquise Goodwin. we got Trent Taylor and Richie James in the slot and Kendrick Bourne. Why do we need another wide receiver? There's no top tier talent outside of Pettis there. Um, You know, I think Trent Taylor and Richie James are great for first downs on third down, but none are really dynamic. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, he's a speed guy. He just announced he's going to be training for the Olympics. So, how much is that going to affect his game? I don't think too much, actually. Um, You know, being a Longhorn fan, he did this when he was with the University of Texas, and he had some great years while performing and training for. for the Olympics, uh, long jump and triple jump. So if nothing else, his weight's going to stay down and his speed's going to stay up. But you take that for what you want. Cornerback, yeah, we've got a lot of draft capital invested in these young corners with high potential. You know, third round pick a ki- uh, Kilo Witherspoon. And I hate how he's not physical, but his feet are great. Um, you know, he's either super super hot or super super cold. You've got Tavarius Moore, who we drafted in the third round, and we moved positions, which we're very famous for. Uh, Why not take a player who is successful somewhere and put him somewhere he's never played? What's the worst that could happen? Oh, yeah, Uh, we keep seeing that. But I get that these guys have the potential. Potential just means you haven't done it yet. And we saw last year with all the injuries, we lost two games, you know, because we had poor cornerback play opposite Richard Sherman. So that's a concern. Safety, Um, you could talk about Chukwisky Tart, who I think is a good player. I think he's starter caliber. But, again, he is a boom-buzz player every single play. If you watch every single highlight he made last year, watch the play before the play after. He's going to blow a coverage. He's going to miss a tackle and injuries. So I like Tart. He's just got to get consistent. He's got to stay healthy. Then you look at the other safety spot. You know, <sighs> do you believe in Adrian Colbert? Um, you know, two years ago he, he came in very, very late and had three amazing games where he just jumped off film. All last year, wasn't even like he was out there until he got injured, and he really wasn't out there. I'm not happy with either safety spot. Uh, very big need there. Offensive guard, yes, I understand we signed Mike Pearson to a three-year deal, and that's great. He got paid reserve money. He is not the answer. Lakin, Tomlinson, he's the answer. Um, and you could even say, well, what about center in Western Richburg? He played all year hurt. We're paying him starter money. So I don't think they're ready to move on from him. And whoever we do get at guard will have either guard tackle versatility or guard center versatility. I guarantee you that. Kyle Shanahan wants offensive linemen linemen that can play multiple positions. So I think that those four targets are kind of what we're looking at for the second and third round. So if we go back to Bosa or Allen in the first, what do we want to do in the second? Because, and and here's why I think about this. Let's say, let's say skip the second round. Let's look forward to the third and fourth round. Which of these positions in this draft class class, have the most depth? And this is why I set up my Bill Parcells kind of draft board where you can see everybody. And you can see, man, third round has these guys here. And because of that, I'm telling you right now, if you're looking for depth, wide receiver has so much depth. I don't mind waiting for the fourth round to get a wide receiver because there's so many guys. Now, I'd prefer second or third round, but there's so many studs there. If you're looking in the second round, you're going to have your choice between guys like Kelvin Harmon, Hakeem Butler might be there, um, A.J. Brown, Nikhil Harry, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andy Isabella, Debo Samuel. All those guys are going to be there in the second round. One or two might be gone, but I promise you five of those eight guys I just mentioned are going to be available. Now, we jump to the third round. I think people like Andy Isabella, Debo Samuel might be there in the third round. Riley Ridley, Jalen Hurd, Manuel Hall. All these guys are going to be there in the third round. There's there's not a lot of top-tier talent at wide receiver position in, uh, in the first round. Second and third round, it is loaded. And you could say the exact same thing for cornerbacks. So if we look at corners, I don't think there's really a lot of top-tier guys. You know, Brian Murphy, Greedy Williams, Rocky Sin. I think that they all could go in the first round. But if we jump down to that number 36 pick, Trayvon Mullen, who fits our scheme perfectly, DeAndre Baker, a lot of people have a high first-round grade on, Amani Arroyer out of Penn State, these are all guys that could go. Third round, still plenty of guys. Sean Bunting, Central Michigan, Chris Boyd, Lonnie Johnson, Joe Juan Williams, Julian Love, Justin Lane, these are guys that I think will be there in the third round. And again, whenever I say they're going to be there, one or two might go early, but these are tiered rankings somebody is going to be there now the problem happens when you get to those interior offensive line positions they are not going to stick around there's not a lot of them and so once you get past those interior guys eric mccoy um i think bo uh ben Shawa will be there but he doesn't really fit what we do chris chris lindstrom has a chance to drop to that 36 pick i'm saying right now eric mccoy Or Chris Lindstrom will be there at that 36 pick. And then after that, it's a chasm. Uh, You're going to be waiting a while. There's there's no other really starting plug-and-play guard-center combos outside of those two. And so just the supply and economic side of this, supply and demand side, says, man, that interior guard-center combo is a big deal. And if we want to look at the guard-tackle combo, man, Dalton Reisner, Is he going to be there at that spot? Cody Ford, I don't think so. Yodney Kajust, I think he'll be there, but I'm not sure I want him. I think if Dalton Reisner is there, I'm running to the table to get this guy out of Kansas State. He he plays guard day one until Joe Staley uh, retires and then he moves to left tackle. Or you move him to right tackle and then you move McGlinchey over. But, you know, if we're just looking at what's available... I really do think that line and or safety. Now, safety, again, not a lot of top talent. There is a chance the 49ers get up there at pick 36 and zero safeties have been drafted. And if that is the case, man, just call timeout. (laughs) Wait on that position. Uh, Why not address that in the third? You know, we only have so many positions. But if you're talking about the most shallow positions, uh, once we get to the third, you can't get a lineman. There's not great linemen available in the third round in this draft. I don't believe that there are. Safety, I think six safeties could go in the second round. Nasir Adderley, Abram, Taylor Rapp, man, he had a horrible pro day, ran a 4-7. That totally is going to kill him. But then you get into the guys that are the hot, the huge speed guys, right? Juan Thornhill, Darnell Savage, Chauncey Gardner, um, and then, if you do wait till the third round, I think you're going to have choices between like Deontay Thompson and Amani Hooker. So, uh, just some things to think about with Bosa Allen. Now, if we go back to Quinn and Williams in the first, guess what? The biggest need on your defense is still a need. You still need an edge guy. If we go Quinn and Williams first, that means we're going to have five first round defensive tackles, and we still need an edge player. That just baffles my mind, and probably why I'm so um, intent on not drafting Quentin Williams. Uh, If we get him, I'm going to be happy, and I love his film. But from a GM side, and I understand best player available, but still, when you have the most important need on defense is pass rusher. It's not even close. The second most important position in the NFL is pass rusher. We have D4. Ford. is great. There's two edge players on defense. So this is my problem. So if we do go Quentin Williams in the first round, that means we're going to be spending a second or third round draft pick on another edge guy, and that pisses me off. That bothers me because that means corner, wide receiver, guard safety isn't getting adjusted, isn't getting drafted in this draft. And so that bothers me. So, uh, you know, if we do wait to the second round, I think you've got guys like Jalen Ferguson, who I'm super high on, Chase Winovich, um, you know, you can go drop down further, DeAndre Walker, Um, there's guys there, but they're just a huge drop-off. If I could get Chase Winovich in the second, I still don't like it because the opportunity cost, what are we losing? Uh, And that's the thing. Let's say we do draft edge first overall. I don't think we're taking a defensive tackle in the first four rounds. I think six round or later we'll get a DT that can just step in and run downs um, and can rotate with Solomon Thomas. We move Solomon Thomas inside with DJ uh jones and we're fine like it's not a need and we have talent there so take that for what you want i know i kind of rambled a little bit but um these are my thoughts on the draft and hopefully answered some of you guys questions and before you jump off again just want to say shout out to at DTNCA for winning the DeForest Buckner jersey. And again, head over to Eat Sleep Fantasy and check out that uh, draft book. I put so much time into it. So uh, let me know if you want anything added. Again, the promo code is RUSH, R-U-S-H, for 50% off. Thanks a lot, guys, and stay strong faithful.